Being Black in America comes with its challenges. However, we understand that enlightenment through education is the oppressor's worst fear. By bridging the gap between academia and the people, our purpose is to equip you with knowledge that breaks down barriers during your journey towards truth and freedom. Welcome to the Black and Highly Dangerous Podcast. Yo, yo, Dev, what's going on? What's going on? How you living? Uh, living good. Enjoying this summer, summer, summertime weather out here. Yeah, it finally has warmed up, so that's good. <laughs> oh, that's kind of an understatement because I'm still in the South right now. It's um, hot. It um, ain't warm. It's hot. <laughs> well, it's 70, 73 where I'm at right now, so it's a good temperature. I like I like the 70s, maybe low 80s. Um, yeah. It's always a good, a good temp. You know, I think I think right there, like seventy eight to eighty is perfect. But no, nah, it's yeah. been like upper eighties, nineties already. Okay, okay, that's beach weather. Yeah, I went swimming this weekend actually. That's what I'm about to say. That's the weather you got to take a dip. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm going again this upcoming weekend. I'm going to a water park. You oh, that's got good. Mm-hmm. Do you you always knew how to swim? Okay. Or you learn? How do you learn how to swim? <laughs> okay, so you asking that story, but do you not remember what happened that first summer I came to Purdue? Was that wait? Was that wait? Uh, so you okay? So that two summers in a row, somebody almost drowned, and I was one of them. Okay, I remember that you was there for that. Okay, so I wasn't I there remember. for the first one, but the next summer we went to I don't even know wh- where it was, but it was like a large pool. I'm like kind of like on the edge holding myself up and I let go for a little minute. Yeah, like, oh Lord, we about to have another. I can't remember who it was because I didn't know the person, but y'all like, oh my God. Oh uh, yeah, I remember who the who that was. <laughs> oh, so I mean, since then I have learned how to float and I do know how to move, but like I can only swim if I'm completely underwater. I don't know how to do like the professional like turning my head and stuff like that. I'm actually take swim lessons this summer. Okay, that's good. That's good. <laughs> I was just asking. I, I mean, I know was throwing shade because I'm like, does he not remember that I? Oh no, I didn't remember that. I remember. I don't remember you, but I remember the other person that we were comparing you to. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll never forget that. Because y'all was like, oh lord, it's about to happen again. Uh, I don't think my situation was as dramatic, but no. y'all was just like, oh. Because you probably were like tiptoeing your way in. Yeah. The, for our listeners, it was a story of. Um, you know, was during the summer in grad school hanging out. We went to like this little water park and, you know, water parks all have different kind of like little rides and slides and things. But this one, it was like, you kind of like swing and then you swing and you kind of let go in like this little, it's like deep. It was like eight feet or something like that. And then you just like swim to the edge. It was pretty small. And anyway, so this one girl, um, she did it, but she didn't know how to swim, oh, <laughs> which we don't understand why she did it if <laughs> she didn't know how to swim. And so she jumped in the water and then, you know, we just looking at her. And next thing you know, she just kept going up and down, up and down, up and down. Uh, but then what was funny about it is that because it was such a small little pool, it was like it was nothing huge. And so but the lifeguard made this huge <laughs> scene. <laughs> He blew his whistle. Everybody looked. He jumped in with his little floaty thing and then grabbed her for like two feet just to the edge. It was like, oh, my God, this is so embarrassing. (laughs) Some of us stayed, but some of us like walked away, act like they didn't want to know. They didn't know her because they didn't want to be embarrassed, too. See, y'all ain't right. Y'all supposed to be a friend. I stayed. I stayed, but I was laughing the whole time. I couldn't stop. 
<laughs> oh my funny. god, she was laughing too, so it was all good. But yeah, that was funny. Yeah, um, well, not it. It didn't quite happen for me like that. But y'all, it was <laughs> one of those scenes where it could have went bad. So, but yeah, um, but yeah, I know how to flow. I can move underwater, but I, I am going to be a professional swimmer by the end of the summer. I That's good. You. Yeah, I know how to swim, but I don't know how to swim, swim. You know, I, I can recreationally, I can I can float. I can like, you know, tread water, swim underwater, but I can't, you know, all the strokes, all the professional strokes everybody be doing and the breathing mm-hmm. techniques. Mm-hmm. No, nah, I can't. I, I tried it one time actually at Purdue. I was in like some boot camp class and so we had to do uh, a swimming day. We were doing like laps in the water and that was so hard. And I was like, I don't know how people do this. And it was funny because it was like a lot of like elderly folk in the lanes next to us just going ham. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we was all struggling. All folks be swimming. They do. Actually, they be- after this recording, I'm I'm going to do some water aerobics. Okay. Yeah. I see, I'm, I'm, I'm getting my life together this summer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Get that swim game on. Uh, beat the defeat the stereotypes of black folks not swimming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's funny though. Um, What's but yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm just getting back. Literally, I'm just getting back from Chicago. I was out there for the weekend. So just really walked to my house 20 minutes ago. <laughs> um, so that was that was fun, though, hanging out in Chicago. I haven't been out there in a while since I kind of like left, you know, the Purdue area, left grad school. Um, so it was good hanging out on the Gold Coast. For some reason, I was just on a taco binge and I was just trying like all these different taco spots. That is so funny. <laughs> you taco, know, tacos. <laughs> tacos are so good, though. I love tacos. Taco Tuesday. It's funny. Did you see that little video that uh, LeBron James had? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Taco Tuesday. Taco Tuesday. His little daughter. (laughs) Taco Tuesday. (laughs) so cute. Yeah. Everybody loves tacos, man. Yeah. You got a lot of people behind the tacos, too. Yes, that is true. We're not going to be appropriate in nobody's culture. Give credit (laughs) where it's Love tacos. But uh, yeah, so yeah, I'm just chilling, you know, getting getting ready for. Next week, where I start my grind, my grind week starts next week. Back to work, back to the gym, all that stuff. Well, I've been going to the gym, but you know, I'm going to go more consistently starting next week. That's good. Next week, when we talk, when we record, I'm going to hold you accountable. I'm like, what you accomplished this week, guys? <laughs> it's, yeah, no. it's, it's already about to be mid June. Like, at the end of next week, it's going to be almost mid June. I know. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, this, these summers, man, I need to just take a little, just slow down a little bit, please. <laughs> Jeez. Um, but yeah, all right. So we got some, I'm sure, like we said, we told all you guys before, you know, these, most of these episodes on the summer is going to be me and Daph chatting it up, you know, covering some of the hot stories of the week and some bigger topics that we want to talk about. Uh, but I guess we can start with some kind of old Lord news topics, if we got any, mm-hmm. and then go into anything else we want to talk about. Hello, and welcome to BHD News, where we give you the most current and eye-opening old Lord news of the week. Join us as we present news that'll make you want to say. Um, so I feel like the theme of like any old lore news we have and the rest of the episode is just it's kind of a, a crime episode. Almost. I think so. I think so. Uh, so like, for instance, my first story is just last week uh, in Clayton County, Georgia, there was like a George Zimmerman 2.0 situation. Oh! 
So a 21-year-old woman witnessed a 62-year-old man, uh, African-American man, uh, hit or swipe a, a big rig, you know, like one of the 18-wheeler type trucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess the, you know, truck, he wasn't in there, but he drove off. And so, you know, she calls the police, you know, they're telling her, ma'am, stay at the scene. Uh, but I guess they also asked for his license plate number. So she decided to chase him down. Oh, my goodness. I think they get to some type of stop sign. She blocks his car in, gets out of the car, pulls a gun on him and demands that he get out of the car. Get out of the car. And, you know, witnesses, they see everything that's going on. Uh, What's not clear is, I don't know. I don't even think there was like a struggle, but like something happened. But the next thing you know, she shoots the man in the stomach. He dies. Whoa. Uh, That's crazy. And what's so crazy is that witnesses said that immediately after she shot him, she ran back to her car and took off a bad girl vest and put on a pink sweater before police came. Oh, my goodness. Trying to change up her image. Yeah, trying to change up. Oh, you was a bad girl when you were shooting folk, but now you want to, like, pretend to be a victim. And her attorney was like, oh, it was a citizen's arrest gone wrong. You're not a police uh, officer. What's the, yeah, what's yeah, definitely not a police. People is what what state was this? Georgia. It, so Clayton okay. County is just outside of Atlanta. Uh, pretty, I mean, okay. people that live in Clayton County probably say I live in Atlanta. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's crazy. And uh, see, people out here wildly trying to take the law into their own hands. It's not that serious. Call the law and let them handle it. Um, so, is there any word on like she gonna get convicted or? or anything like that? Yes, so there was a preliminary hearing uh, earlier last week that determined there was probable cause to proceed with prosecution. And she's currently awaiting a murder trial and she was released on bond. Okay, okay. Um, And what's interesting is, and I've been waiting to hear an update on this, but they actually said the man may have been in some type of like diabetic, uh, uh, like crisis, um, which I don't know if you've ever heard of uh, that before. Like you might see like older people, it looked like they're driving erratic. Uh, they might hit somebody and they're like, move on. Yeah. But there's the, you know, sometimes they're in diabetic shock or like related to like their sugar mm. levels. And uh, there was at least one uh, witness or someone who said that uh, the victim may have been in diabetic shock when he okay. did the hit and run. Mm. Yeah, see, it's not that serious. I mean, even a car accident is not that serious for you to shoot somebody. Um, but so, yeah, it's good. Cool. I mean, again, the, the interesting thing about people like this case and the Zimmerman case is that they're not law enforcement. So there's no way they should get off for just taking somebody's life like this, mm-hmm. which we did see in the Zimmerman case. So hopefully we don't see that same result in this in this case. Yeah. But what's interesting is an, another thing. So the actually, I just read the guy didn't like hit and immediately leave. He stayed on the scene for 20 minutes uh, and left after 20 minutes because of a medical emergency. Uh, so, yeah. So he might have had um, a diabetic shock or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then was trying to wait it out. But then it maybe it started getting worse or his condition started to get worse. So he tried to get you know to a hospital or somewhere for himself. So I'm sure the truth will be revealed soon. Yeah, it's that's so unfortunate. Like it, it's not even it ain't even like he hit and hurt nobody. It's a damn semi truck. 
Mm-hmm. They okay? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah them trucks. <laughs> <laughs> Probably just had a little scratch. That's about it, man. Them joints. Yeah. Tanks. Yeah. So unfortunate, and we hope that it's not the same outcome as the George Zimmerman case. And I'm so happy somebody witnessed her trying to like pretend to be innocent in a pink sweater. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's crazy that she actually trying to change up. Oh, well, you know she felt guilty or did something wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I have another story where the owner of a um, kind of medical lab is called AJ Lab Collections, and uh, they would uh, collect like urine and like blood samples primarily for the Department of Human Services uh, when they needed to like do drug tests or paternity tests around uh, custody cases. Well, come to find out this lady was freaking falsifying people's drug tests and paternity. Mm-hmm. And it was found out, she got found out because someone uh, got a drug screening back and it turned up positive. I guess this person knew that they did not do drugs. So they called the physician whose name was on the paperwork that said that they had a positive drug test. Mm-hmm. Well, the doctor was like, I don't recall signing this and I don't recall doing any drug tests for this particular lab. And that's when they did an investigation and they said that now they have to sift through dozens of tests that uh, Murray has completed, you know, over the months and over the years, uh, because those may have been altered and his people potentially losing jobs, losing custody, etc. That is wild, yo. Why mm-hmm. people do things like that? And so, so with the paternity summaries, there's some people who were trying to see if they were the father of a child or not. You know, I don't, it doesn't get deep into that, but it says yeah. that she did paternity and drug tests. So, mm. uh, like you're messing up people's like, like livelihood and, and I mean, even just like families playing with stuff like that. You know, drug test is one thing, but definitely the paternity test is crazy. Yeah. And what's crazy is that in 2013, Murray, the, the woman who ran the crime lab, was actually arrested and pled guilty to five counts of credit card fraud. Oh my so, goodness. So, you know, she was already, you know, a fraudster anyway. Yeah. Uh, she was sentenced to three years probation. That's all she got. And within the last couple of years has opened up a, a, this lab and got a contract with the freaking government. That's yeah. That's like, that's the thing. It's like, uh, is she white? Yeah. Like, I'm like, I'm about to sound like. guilty to credit card fraud and then get a contract. And this still get a contract, I'm like. Because <laughs> uh, I'm like, what are you, what is she, that makes sense. Like, I'm like, what are you gaining out of, uh, like, doing this, you know, yeah. uh, having wrong tests, like credit card fraud. Okay, you're getting some financial incentive, but giving people the wrong test back, it just don't, don't seem like you, how you making money off that. But if it's your establishment. Then, yeah. Uh, that's wild. I wonder if she was just like randomly saying positive, not because po- like, I guess if you are crime lab or a uh, blood lab, urine lab and everything comes back one way, it, it might look suspicious. So maybe she wasn't even running the test and would just like randomly say this is positive. This is part. Po-. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 
know. We'll yeah. find out. Yeah, we'll find out. That's that's wild. Uh, well, hopefully she ain't mess up too many people's tests. Yeah, hopefully not. Hopefully not. Yeah. Okay. Uh, do you have any news before I go on to some some heavier stuff? Okay, I got a, I got a couple of news stories. Um, one, this one is just I find it funny. <laughs> As I would tell you about, so uh, I'm sure uh, I mean, you used to do Teach for America, right? Uh-huh, yeah. Did you ever take kids on field trips? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, were there times where the kids were doing things at the field? Were there any overnight field trips or no? I never had any overnight field trips. Okay, okay. I taught elementary school. Okay, okay. So, so this um, principal of a Louisiana Catholic school, okay, essentially took uh, a class to a field trip. It was, uh, um, I don't, I can't remember where it was at exactly, uh, where they were going. It doesn't say. Um, but apparently, while the kids were at a field trip, that night he got arrested. Oh, Lord. What do you think he got uh, arrested for? I mean, if it's at night, probably prostitution. <laughs> okay, okay. He got arrested uh, while being at the strip club. Oh, my God. <laughs> they said officers responded to um, an Archibald Gen- Gentleman's Club around 2.20 a.m. Um, on Friday uh, because there was an intoxicated man refusing to pay his bill. Uh, when law enforcement arrived on the scene, they found the Holy Family Principal, Michael uh, uh, uh standing in the roadway, refusing to move. Uh, they eventually arrested uh, They told him to get out the street multiple times. He refused, and they eventually arrested him um, at the strip club and bar, um, which was actually down about a mile away. They probably visited the White House because it was a mile away from the White House. <laughs> Catholic school principal. Catholic school principal. <laughs> Caught at the strip club being drugged and acting wild. And so he he recently stepped down naturally uh, as a result of this. So he's no longer a principal of this school. He couldn't uh, wait. He could not wait. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. DC wilding, man. Like at the strip club and then acting crazy. Um, so that was just a funny story to me. I don't know why. Thought yeah. I shared with you all. Well, I'm happy he stepped down. Yeah. Fa- uh, well, he might not have been a father, but principal of a Catholic school. We don't need you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm sure our kids. The, the kids probably gonna have mad jokes, you know? Yeah. Family, everybody else, colleagues. I mean, that's that's funny. I don't know what's gonna happen to him, his reputation, what kind of job he's gonna have after this, but yeah, he should have been wiser, buddy. Been mm-hmm. wiser. Not not on, not while you're on the clock, at least. Because now <laughs> that Google is forever, unless he's rich and can get his name just completely wiped clean from off of Google. Uh, baby, we're gonna be seeing that for you're forever. Going to be the strip club principal. <laughs> 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 oh my god! Um, another story recently that just came out was you know Jay Z has become the first you know uh, kind of hip hop billionaire yeah i saw that which is pretty dope um you know he has a lot of investments some of his biggest ones being with um i think it's the the champagne uh about 310 million i think it was ace of spades um okay yeah yeah yeah. Uh uh-huh uh, 220 million in cash investments. So I'm just reading and looking at this Forbes report. Um, so he does a lot of investing. Do say now, which has just got to 100 million. Title, which is up to 100 million. Rock Nation, 75 million. His music catalog brings in 75 million. He's an art collection, uh, which is 70 million, and then like real estate, 50 million. Um, so he's just been racking up. So so congratulations to the Carters. You know. Yeah. 
I mean, I know there was already billionaires collectively. Yeah. But now I think now Jay Z has has achieved that um, as an individual. Yeah. And I know Beyonce's pretty close now too because of that uh that what you call it that uh, Uber investment I think. Oh yeah! Oh my God! That was so smart. Yes. Like no, I'm not gonna perform for like two million. How about you give me them uh, stock me a, options? Yeah, or whatever. Give me stock yeah. options. And that joint went public, and that I think it, I think it was worth maybe five million, and and now it has gotten to about three hundred million. Uh, her stock options, because she usually charged I think that five million fee, mm-hmm. uh, but instead she said, you know what, put that into give me that as an investment into your company. <laughs> and when it went public, now that five million turned to three hundred million, and and I mean I've seen there was like numbers of people. I mean people were making there was somebody who put in. Like uh, early investment of five thousand, that turned to like uh, twenty million or twenty-two million or something like that. Once mm-hmm. it went public, so a lot of people making a lot of bank off that Uber going public, and Beyonce is one of them. The and I know she was already worth around three hundred million before that, so she dang near doubled her her net worth with that investment. The same thing happened with Facebook a long time ago. Like there was some uh, artist who had like painted a picture that maybe was worth like a thousand or a couple thousand dollars, ended up a millionaire when the company went public. So, you know, if you know somebody with a really good idea and it wouldn't cost very much to like do something in kind or, uh, you know, something small, you you might be you might be a millionaire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got this. I was like, I got to keep my eyes on stuff like that. You know, if I could put five thousand into something and it turned to millions, you know, mm-hmm. what's going like, I got to start making some investor friends or something to just, you know, give you the heads up when things start to look like they're gonna take off. Yeah, or some pretty good ideas. Um, what JMB say was better than one billionaire too. <laughs> two. <laughs> we we trying to get millionaires, so you know. Yeah, we just, we just get to the millions first. first and, yep, and then you know who knows? We could be billionaires. We'll see. First, yeah. we'll be the first. I don't know. We'll be the first academic billionaires. I'm pretty sure there's other folks out there, but it would be nice to have that title. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the dreams. Um, but another story that kind of related to, because as always, when we take steps forward, there's always ways that, you know, somebody, especially when we talk about the criminal justice system, trying to take us backwards. Mm-hmm. And recently, the the uh, New York Police Department has lost launched an operations group that will specifically monitor hip hop concerts. Um, you know, informally, everyone's calling this new, uh, uh, I guess, police unit, the the rap unit, uh, uh, but they're officially known as the Enterprise Operations Unit, the EOU, uh, but they work on the ground through the department's EOU operations. And pretty much what they would be doing is creating a list of weekly upcoming rap shows and they'll base the rap shows on low, medium and high risk for violence and drug related incidences. And then they will have a lot of undercover police officers there to gather intelligence specifically on hip hop artists. Wow. This recently happened. They kind of one of their first gigs was actually at uh Remy Ma's show last year at March 2018. Um, when you know they there was a lot of people there, like, like of course like Remy Ma, but then like 50 Cent, uh 6ix9ine, Takashi 6ix9ine, and all these other folks where they were like looking and trying to make arrests and gathering information. Some think this is where they began to gather information on somebody like 6ix9ine as well uh. um, during that time period. So all I have to say is that the NYPD has this. So, you know, if all of you, especially if you guys are going to festivals or music concerts in the city, 
be careful because there will be undercover police there trying to gather information, figure out what's going on, lock people up. Although they're saying they're specifically looking for the artist, which is already, you know, not good in itself. I'm sure they'll take up whoever. <laughs> so. Yeah. And it's what I don't like about it is that that is such a like targeted demographic. So mm-hmm. we've been talking about, you know, mass incarceration. We've been talking about like, you know, the small little local policies that like have large impacts. You know, this is like them stop stopping frisk, but it's intensified because you're going into settings that will be primarily black and Latino. You targeting people who just trying to have fun and chill, not saying that there is never like, you know, any violence or drugs. At the, but it's just kind of like you're specifically targeting this demographic to boost your statistics. Yes. Yes. And that, I mean, that's the they're trying to they're trying to say, oh, all artists. But they in they, most of the uh, reports and what they've done has been in, in rap concerts. Mm. And you, I, mean, I mean, all festivals, all concerts is going to be drugs is going to be violence because people are on drugs, especially at these predominantly white kind of music festivals or white music. It, you know, uh, college students, whoever is going there, they're on all types of drugs and doing things. It's just like the nature and culture of some of these shows. So mm. why are you? only uh targeting um you know concerts that predominantly feature black artists well we know why so i don't know i don't know how how long this is going to fly um now that it's you know out in the open i'm sure people are going to push back because i think there's just some kind of form of like targeting bias discrimination you just can't do it just for rap concerts you know yeah uh especially when we know when it comes to drugs we we've done plenty of episodes like this uh People across race, we we use drugs equally. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. But when we aren't targeted equally by police officers and mm-hmm. law enforcement, then you know certain yeah. groups get in trouble more, and certain groups get away with it. And then the rap concerts are going to have the reputations of oh, of being drug concerts and violent concerts. Like, come on, like, got to do better. So we'll keep our eyes on that. But it is at least good that it's being exposed now and, and people know because they started this last year but now it's just coming to light so who knows what they've been doing for the past for the past year um, mm. so I'm sure people will fight back we'll keep our eyes on that for sure True. but speaking of drugs uh, Illinois just uh, passed a bill that will allow recreational marijuana use starting yeah. in <laughs> yes oh my god you know i'm not gonna lie i was like i said i was just in chicago and we passed a couple spots that had like you know cbd and chocolate and candy and sweets and i and i did think about it i did think about it uh but i got some things under the works right now that i'm like you know i can't jeopardize it quite yet but yeah. once these things pass you know i might Try some sweets. You know, I just yeah. try them, man. <laughs> Everywhere I move, the, the laws change. So in Massachusetts, we ended up getting recreational use, you know. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> true. Like, maybe, maybe, you know, the, the universe about to say, tell me something. It's the Daphne effect, huh? It's the Daphne effect. <laughs> I mean, I guess that means Tennessee going to be next, although we know that's going to happen down here. <laughs> it's going to be a while for <laughs> Tennessee, but you never know. Um but yeah, people was it was a lot of people on the streets when we was out there. And you could you know you could smell the the marijuana all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> I walked on the elevator one time. And it was like clearly somebody had lit up on the elevator. It was like man, 
goodness gracious, but I guess everybody's celebrating. Yeah. But the, you know what? That's where the next million and billionaires are going to be made. Yeah, uh, that's true. I think with this law, they are allowing the medical dispensaries apply for like recreational licenses, but it's just kind of mm-hmm. like, I'm trying to see who's trying to start up the next business and let me get my little $5,000. <laughs> I know, right? Let's get that. <laughs> Let's get that investment. Shoot. That's all I need. Flip that. Turn that to a few million. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and the one thing about the Illinois <clears throat> passing is that it is like, I think they said the most progressive one yet mm. um, because I think it, they do a good job at uh, retroactively addressing people who have been incarcerated mm-hmm. and I think ex- exonerating people and I think also giving them an option to buy into some of this or making it just as easy as, you know, the average person. Yeah. Um, so that's good too. I won't lie. I think that's where the money is going to be made in the future. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, just like alcohol or, you know, tobacco and, you know, so hopefully they didn't make it so nobody can monopolize it but yeah it's gonna be interesting i feel like you know it, when companies like amazon start getting into it it's gonna be quick pretty interesting you know people mm-hmm. just getting their <laughs> their deliveries overnight or two days <laughs> amazon, amazon <laughs> dropping it off <laughs> amazon two days <laughs> You know they're gonna tap it because they tap into food and everything with Whole Foods and all these other businesses. They found a way to incorporate today their structure. So I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if they can find a major distributor once it becomes federalized or, or on a larger scale. Amazon will will I'm pretty sure will be delivering mm-hmm. marijuana to folks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> Speaking of what Amazon is selling, I just found out you can go on Amazon and buy a twenty thousand dollar house with free shipping. <laughs> is it one of those little houses? Yeah, it, yeah. Okay. They're like little houses, but like some of them look really nice. Like mm. one of them is like a um like pretty much like all windows. It's beautiful. And oh, they were wow. like, you can use some of them as like a, you know, retail space. Like if you wanted like a little backyard office space or mm. a, a pool house or something like that. It's not bad. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Some look really good. <laughs> Amazon, I had delivering houses. Now this is wild. Whole house. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm looking at that. I see the one you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that little glass one? Uh-huh. Yeah. Cool. I want that in the backyard. That'll be my office at home. Yeah, I guess, I guess too, uh, I mean, I don't know who... Oh yeah, I don't know who would buy house, but I guess maybe if you have like a a lot of property too, mm-hmm. and you want like a little guest house for somebody, mm-hmm. it's like I right, Amazon come drop this off, put yeah. it in my backyard. I actually know somebody who built a small house and it was insulated. It had like plumbing and all that stuff. They built a tiny house like in their backyard and they Airbnb it. Mm. Oh, that's smart too. Mm-hmm. That's smart too. Yeah. So people could stay, yeah. I'm mean, sure it's like a little hotel room, so it's not, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's cool, too. Okay. All right. So, yeah, Amazon, Amazon doing it all. You see uh, Bezos' wife talking about she's pledging to donate, like, half of that. Mm-hmm. I don't know, was it 32, 36 million? I think it was uh, 35, because I think she would million. give 17 away. Yeah. Okay, okay, yeah. So that's also with that one guy, uh, Robert Smith, the guy who gave the stuff to Morehouse. Mm-hmm. He, it's like that pledge people do sign up for billionaires. Yeah. Where they give half away, half away, half of their wealth away. So 
She the fact that you can give yeah. half your wealth away and not even feel it, like it would not have any type of like material impact on her life to give away $17 billion. That's crazy. I, it wouldn't. I just read something. It was like, I think it was like with Bill Gates, if he spent like $200 million a day, he would, it would take him like 218 years or something like that to spend all his money. <laughs> like what? You're like, that's why. <laughs> That's so wild, man. Yeah, it is. I mean, do you think I don't I don't know how I feel about like people like I do feel like people should be able to uh, amass wealth and all of that stuff like that. But it's just like that is so much more you could do in three or four lifetimes, 200 years. Yes. You know what I'm saying? It's just like. That's crazy. If I was that rich, I would have to. But you know what? Bill Gates is very generous. They have to build a Melinda Gates Foundation, the Gate Millennial Scholars. But the fact that they have all that stuff and they can still like. Yeah. Like, y'all you can get millions of dollars away every day. But you can think about even just you like change. You can. I don't know what they do, but you can literally change a community with that much money. Yes. Several communities like some kind of jobs, even just giving people more, I don't know, fixing up schools. And like you said, they do a lot. But um, if it, I can I can only imagine if some of these billionaires got together and just made like a super targeted effort mm-hmm. in some of the most disadvantaged communities, I think they can change that all the way around. Yeah, I think I low key, based on some intel I have, because you know I'm in the know, mm-hmm. I think Bill Gates <laughs> doing some stuff on the low. We'll see. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. I'll see. We'll see what, what's up with Bill Gates. All right. Um, okay. So a, a heavy story before we get into, well, before we get into a heavy topic in general. Yeah. But um, yeah. I'm sure you heard about the Virginia Beach uh, mass shooting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Definitely. Crazy. Um, so a veteran city engineer uh, targeted people that he worked with for years. I think he shot up like two or three floors. Uh, Twelve people um, were gone down. Um, and I, I believe they all passed. And also the gunman was uh, killed by police. Wow. That's, ah, man, ah, that's, you know, it's just, this country is wild because it keeps happening. It's like, you know, Maybe, I don't know if you can even really go a whole month, maybe two months without having a mass shooting story. And uh, it's just wild. We need to do something to change. I know we keep saying that, but. Mm-hmm. And what, mm. it's crazy because so reading details about uh, his name is Dwayne Cradock mm-hmm. is that he sent in his resignation to his uh, boss, I think earlier that day or the day before his boss was like, why are you doing this? Like, apparently, at least from what his boss knew, there you know wasn't any issues. He said he's resigning for personal reasons. And then this happened. Uh, the the afternoon after he sent in his resignation. Uh, yeah, see, this is, it don't make no sense, man, but access to weapons and guns um, is a part of it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I don't know. I guess we'll find, I don't even know if they can find a motive, you know, if he didn't have any kind of agenda. Yeah. Or wasn't doing that. I mean, they'll probably search his computer, search it, like, yeah. they might be able to find some stuff there. Uh, but it's kind of sad. So, um, you know, the victims uh, or the 
perpetrators, the shooter's family. Um, I guess news people are coming there, but they put out a message that said the family of Dwayne Cradock wishes to send our heartfelt condolences to the victims. We are grieving the loss of our loved one. At this time, we wish to focus on the victims and the lives lost during yesterday's tragic events. Our thoughts and prayers are with the families and those who lost their lives and those recovering in the hospital. Mm. Uh, Cradocks. Um which that is such a heavy place to be in to be the family of the person who did such a horrific thing. Yeah. Uh. But I I do like the way, you know, they did that, you know, we want to focus on the victims. Yeah. Our thoughts. Them. That's cl- cl- very classy. Even yeah, though no. they're hurt too. So. Yeah, no that is. That is that's a very stand up act, but still sad, you know, people just going to work one day and just lost their lives you know what I'm saying just things like that just you know how they say you just never know yeah so yeah. it's a crazy world we living in but those you know just continuously always just don't take your loved ones for granted say say I love you let them know go out make that phone call because you just never know nowadays yeah and you know what after I heard read about this story I actually read something that said that Fridays are the potentially like most uh, I guess I don't know. I want to. I don't want to call it the deadliest time, but it's just kind of like if it's happening at work. A lot of times, like mass shootings might happen on a Friday if it's at a work setting. Mm-hmm. That's strange too. I yeah. guess yeah, because that's usually when people are let go or, or things yeah. of that nature. So, but he resigned on his own. Um, in case our audience is wondering uh, if they haven't followed it, yes, he's black. <laughs> yeah, people probably wonder what's the race. I have noticed after every mass shooting, everybody be like, "Well, at least what I be reading." And be like, what you know? What color was he? You know, mm-hmm. what was mm-hmm. he? He was black. Yeah, yeah. Most of the, and most of the time, you know, yeah. I mean, it's good. They can take any race, <clears throat> as we've seen. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just the, the issue of just lies being lost for, for senseless things. And who knows what it is. So hopefully they'll uncover what the reasons, what, what, why it happened. But I just feel like at this point, even if we figure out why these things are happening, we're not moving to actually address these issues, whether it be mental health, whether it be deeper issues, whether it be guns. Like, I just feel like we're not having quick enough movement. Mm-hmm. Like they keep happening. It's like there's not been enough change. Well, you know, we see all these changes with marijuana legalization happening pretty quickly and abortion. I was about uh, to look how fast they did something. You say you care about lives. You say you are pro-life. You will sign like 50 million abortion bills within like a couple of weeks, but we can't get anything related to guns. Anything. Exactly. Exactly. So so it says right there what they prioritize and what, what matters to them. And, and clearly this gun stuff just does not on a priority list for these politicians and it's sad. Mm-hmm. It's sad. Oh, man. But um, I guess, yeah, moving on to <clears throat> uh, a, yeah, a sadder story, uh, but it's an old, it's not recent, but it, it has resurfaced and we're talking about the documentary, I know, the the, mo- the film series mm-hmm. uh, on Netflix called When They See Us, mm-hmm. uh, uh, directed and, and produced and written by Ava DuVernay, which focuses on the Central Park Five story. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, you had a chance to watch it too, right, Dev? I did. I watched it. I binge watched it Friday. I think that's okay. what it's about. Yeah, yeah. I, I've been watching, when I binge watched? Saturday? Saturday. 
Um, and I was just, I was blown away by it. Um, and I guess we could talk about it and break down, you know, some of the takeaways we got from it. And I, I went into it because I, I was already pretty familiar with the story. Um, I've watched the Central Park Five documentary. Um, I've had, I assigned a couple of readings to my students about, you know, the story um, and kind of what happened. Uh, and I was like, hmm, am I going to learn? How much more am I going to learn from this? And I learned, you know, quite a bit more, mm-hmm. especially about their personal lives, which is like the documentary stuff doesn't, they talk about, but they don't want too much detail. Um, and some of the experiences they went to, just a little bit more detail, which I'm glad because I didn't know it was going to be like a four parter. I thought it was going to be like a movie. Um, so I'm glad they did it in that way because it it really allowed them to take their time and 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 show all the different angles and and what happened. I agree. I would just say, uh, like starting at the beginning, um, just it was tragic. the The boys just did not know. And I I think we've had like multiple lawyers come on here and say, "Don't talk." Just mm-hmm. stop talking. Mm-hmm. And just to see how if, if they just knew, if they just knew how to handle that. But I mean, but that also speaks to a, a important issue. Police should not be able to like interrogate, you know, 14, 15, 16 year old kids. Like we already know, like there's enough research that says our brains aren't fully developed until we're like 24. They have no business in there with those young kids. Yeah. Yeah. That's um. so. Yeah. So I think th- and that's the thing. So the documentary seems to call it Central Park Five for anybody who wants to check it out. I think they seem to focus a little bit more on like the legal aspects of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so in there, they did a pretty good job at explaining like the workaround of how they were able to do that with the kids and the strategies they use, you know, letting the parents know like, oh, it's no big deal. You know, we just want to ask some questions. So essentially parents were giving them consent um, uh, when they didn't know, you know, what the deal deal was. I know, you know, Yusef's mom was the one that came out. I was like, no, what y'all doing? Get my child out of here. Like, yeah. y'all playing games. Uh, but the way they, you know, she saw right through it, but many other parents, you know, didn't, didn't fully get it. You know, they thought they were just, hey, you know, helping out the child. They didn't do, my child didn't do it. So of course you could talk to them and, and get yourself out of there. Mm-hmm. Um, and once you get that consent and allow them to question them mm-hmm. in that way. Uh, but it, yeah, it was uh, that was that that took me off too. Yeah, um, I also I felt I felt really bad for all of them, but like to see Corey Wise's story oh, and to see what you know he was not put in like a juvenile detention center. He went to um, like you know traditional you know general adult prison at like such a young age and the mm-hmm. abuse that he experienced i feel like we saw that a little we saw his like uh prison story a little bit more mm-hmm. than some of the but it's just kind of like and what was interesting to me is because i can remember the scene when i think it was with yosef he was with yosef and he went there just to be a support for his friend that was it that was it Oh my God! It wasn't even on the original list. Yeah, yeah, and then they 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 got him in because they needed somebody to link all the stories. Because as as they showed in the film, the the person came in, whoever the, the prosecutor was like, "Yo, we can't. This just everybody's stories are not connected. Like, mm-hmm. how could we connect it? That's what they use Corey for." But yeah, when I say that, like, it was funny because when I was watching episode three and they were kind of going through everyone's, you know, 
kind of experiences of being in and then coming home. I was like, dang, I was like, I really wish as I was watching, I was, I was even telling Chris, I was like, I really wish they would have spent more time showing what it was like for them behind bars. Mm-hmm. So I think that's important, too, uh, because we know how they got there. But spending those years and it's like, what did they fully experience? So, you know, you got to see a little bit. We didn't get to really see it. And then once episode four came around, that was the end, almost the entire episode just focused on Corey's experience. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow. And, you know, I watch a lot of films, watch you know tons of movies, but it's rare that I feel like. Uh, like the emotional impact that I felt with Corey's story. I just felt it was so sad. I'm mm-hmm. like, yo, this 16, 17 year old kid went through all of this and was innocent the whole time. Mm-hmm. You know, getting beat up and getting bullied, like getting assaulted and um, asking for help and just somebody to, you know, he was scared. I mean, it was just like this one of the saddest things I, I probably seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that he got out and, and you know, what, what, I, what I really what really stood out to me about Corey is the fact that <clears throat> even out of all of that, you know, we, all those parole parole board hearings that he had and pretty much they wanted him to admit his wrongdoing and he could have started the parole process of getting out earlier, even though he was going through all that, he still held true to his, his convictions that he was innocent, you know, and kept, wasn't getting, kept getting denied parole when he could have easily been like, just say, okay, I did it. I did it. So that way he can get out earlier. But he was mm-hmm. like, nah, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm guilty because I'm not and just kept, you know, staying inside. It was going to do his time day for day because he felt he was innocent. Yeah. um, And I'm, you know, he needed to do that for himself because he had like confessed again or, or he, I think he saw what happens when you give a false confession. And I know there are a lot of people like, oh my God, you know, false confession, like not a thing, but you know, and we're going to link this. There have been a lot of researchers who have done like experiments, uh, not related to like major crimes, but like, for instance, there was a study that I recently uh, read where they, uh, for college students, they, uh, accuse them of like cheating and, you know, let it escalate up to where they're meeting with deans. And, you know, although we knew the people, they knew the people were innocent because this was an experiment, but in order to like avoid like the biggest penalties, a lot of the students confessed to cheating, even though they hadn't. So it's just kind of like false confessions happen. Like when you think like, if I just say this, then this lesser circumstance or this lesser consequence will happen and I can just move on with my life. Mm -hmm. People do it. And I'm going to link multiple uh, examples of like experiments where they have done this to say like false confessions happen. So just because they said those things, it does not mean they actually did it. Yeah, 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 it happens all the time, um, especially with this particular population that was represented in the film. You know, um, all of them were, you know, coming from single parent homes, parent working class, uh, weren't familiar with the system. And so the prosecutor took extreme advantage of that. And investigators took the police officers took extreme advantage of that uh, very, very vulnerable population. Um, because of their, you know, they just didn't understand the law. And uh, this is the whole thing of like, you know, no matter where you are, try to. And the thing about it, if they would have said, I want my lawyer, 
right? That everything is dead in their tracks. Even just that simple thing, you know, I'm not speaking without a lawyer and that all of those kids probably wouldn't have suffered those consequences. Um, I actually, so we shared on our BHD Facebook page, which you should be liking so you can see it. uh, (laughs) Advice from uh, a lawyer. I know we did Teach for America together. Uh, She's a lawyer. She's the mother of a, you know, young black boy. Um, And she gave some really good advice. She said, Um, I cannot stress enough that the only thing you ever need to say to police during an investigation, three things. One, am I free to go? And if they say no, you're under arrest. Two, I want an attorney, not my mama, not my daddy, not my cousin, unless those people are your attorney. That's not who you ask for. I want an attorney. And then after that, say nothing else, because if you talk, even a little bit after you say you want your attorney, there's case law that could uh, that might that could be used to say, oh, you started talking after. So you waived your right uh, to counsel. If mm. you start talking after you say, I want my attorney, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. don't try to convince them of anything. And mm-hmm. he also cited case law where police are allowed to lie. They might even be encouraged to lie. Mm-hmm. Um Case law literally says police misconduct does not necessarily invalidate a confession. They can promise you food, visitors to go home or lesser sentence, avoiding the death penalty. They can claim that there was an eyewitness and it's all perfectly legal. It could be a lie. Um, They don't have to make good on any of it. And you're going to be stuck with explaining the things you said to them in the wake of those lies at trial. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've seen that in the film, you know, they were just blatantly saying, like, oh, this one said this and, and this one said this about you. He said you did it. And and it was all lies, but they were using it to get him to com- make these false confessions to get something uh, abusing their power. Right. Uh, I, I just like, you know, and also what I what, what surprised me was the fact that the dude who did it was in the same place as him. Like what yes. kind of like coincidence the stars aligning just w- working out in that way you know where he's literally talking to him to do sees him in there and feels guilty and then admits to it all you know and he um, knows all the details his dna matches all mm-hmm, of that mm-hmm. that was really a failure of police though because the man was actually after that central park brutal beating and rape he actually killed another woman yeah that, and that was what got him in there. He like they said in the film, he killed. He like pulled, uh, gouged your eyes out, and all this kind of stuff. And they said his his what well, he did fit the mo of a Central Park jogger, but they didn't for some reason. The prosecutor didn't want to, uh, uh, you know, look at it in that way. That would have been stuff. inconvenient after you'd have already like plastered the face of five black boys and Trump talking about uh, let's bring back the death penalty or whatever yeah. he was saying. It was it was. That was too inconvenient for them. Yep. And and what I've been, you know, I'm this evil woman, Linda Fairstein, who's a prosecutor. Oh, now, know. Uh, New York Times bestselling murder mystery author. Oh, my, oh God. my goodness. Like how you ruin these lives and go on to live a, a, a wonderful, lucrative lifestyle. But a New York she, is, she is under fire, which which is rightfully so. Mm-hmm. Um, they are boycotting her books. They're telling books, uh, bookstores to take it off the shelf. Um, she's canceled her, uh, uh, her, I mean, she's like deleted her social media profiles already. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, she's definitely in a lot of trouble 
um, which is which is good, man. You should be making money off of this and what you did to these boys and taking their lives. Um, and having no remorse, still saying that they were connected with this guy that they didn't even know. Like the fact that they would just wanted to double down and say, yeah, he was just the sixth one. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's the, what bothers me more. Like admit to your mistake. Yeah, It's not like the, and you know, bless her heart, bless her soul. Trisha Melly, she didn't even remember. She didn't see, but like the police were so convinced that they have now convinced this woman that like, it, it was absolutely those five guys plus the sixth one. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. She's still, she's still doubling down on it, which is, you know, so sick and twisted, but you know, karma comes around like she escaped this for all these years and here it comes right back in your face. Yeah. Well, now you're going to have to deal with your consequences. No more book deals, nobody, you know, loving you as an author anymore and your reputation for the rest of your life is going to be this woman who destroyed these young men's lives for no no apparent reason. Um, and I'm also and I also get upset at like her. You know, when you do this kind of stuff and you work, at, uh, whether detectives, DA's office, it's a team mm-hmm. and they're they're who knew when you're looking at this evidence like yo this is not right this doesn't add up mm-hmm. you know this is clearly not these are not the boys they don't even know each other uh but they still like it's like this is when we talk about like fighting from within you need people to be like nah you are bugging we are not moving forward with this you know these are not the kids um but it's like everybody was still like hush hush and let and let her get her way and ruin these people's lives when they could have fought back mm-hmm I, um, you know, people are only looking at like Linda Fairstein, but another person um, who really did not have to move forward with this was Elizabeth Letter, who was the DA, assistant DA who presented the case, who's now living her best life as a Columbia law professor. <laughs> she still works in the DA office, I believe. And what's crazy is, so there was a 2013, I think, documentary from by Ken Burns about the Central Park Five. And before then, she had the Central Park case in her Columbia law bio as if it was something that she was proud of. She, oh did, she didn't take it out of the bio until like people call her out like and they started a petition to try to get her fired uh from Columbia didn't work but uh uh, but she took that out of her bio because she was still proud of it even after they had been vacated dang yeah it's gonna be interesting you know her being a law professor and now having to answer the students you know who (laughs) who are gonna sing things like this and and walk in your classroom already with this kind of you know skepticism and be ready to question you on stuff like this. Mm-hmm. So even in that profession, it's going to be a constant and consistent, you know, uh, battle for her <laughs> in the classroom. Yeah, <laughs> you students that started the petition, and I think an outside person did too. Okay, and I'm sure even after seeing this, it's going to respark like, "Yo, you was bugging." And now I don't even know if I can take you seriously as my instructor, right? As far as like your morality, you yeah. know what I mean? Because like, um, she argued that hair found on one of the defendants matched the victim, which was a lie. It was not yeah. true. That hair yeah. was not linked to a victim. And also to see that they tried to hide that the DNA evidence didn't match. Yeah. Any other kids? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like you're not even do. That's what I'm saying. It's like there's a point of like you're not even doing your job. It's supposed to be like you're supposed to do it fairly. You're supposed to get them 
fairly, you know what I'm saying? And and it's like now you're cutting corners just so you can prove that you're right. But you, you uphold the principles of the job. And that's the scary thing about some of these people in these positions. It's like it's about you and it's not about the system and making sure that everybody has an equal and fair trial. Mm-hmm. But it's like people try to make their careers. on, And clearly a lot of careers were made from this case. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And. I think when when crazy and bad things happen in the world, I think we as citizens, we're very reactionary now. Mm-hmm. We have to learn how to be a little bit patient to where we care more about like justice and the right people getting locked away than like fast results. Yeah. Because they wanted to just lock this down fast to say they did something when mm-hmm. If they, well, they didn't even have to wait because then that, that that same guy, I don't know if he got arrested that night, but like he had got arrested before that August murder that he did. Yeah. Because there was a eight, yeah, there was a, oh no, this I think he said like he got, two, day, two days before the Trish, Trisha Melly rape, he had raped another woman in, in the park two days before that. Mm. So it was just kind of like he had an M.O. And the fact that they did not at all connect that like, wow, there were two women. It was almost four, right? Yeah, it was four total, I believe. Yeah. And they because they asked him, they saw the M.O., they asked him about these other unsolved ones and he admitted to it. Same thing, details, but they never asked him about the Central Park Five. And if they had asked, if they had asked, he would have told the truth. He admitted to all the other ones. Yeah, they just they did it. It's like when you don't want to know, you don't want to know the answer, so you don't ask the question. Yeah, that's that's exactly what it was. Um, but you know, the, the 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 universe works in mysterious ways, and the very guy who they punished, tried to hide it from, was the very person to uh, get you know get them all free and 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 right the wrongs of the system. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they all were awarded uh, some money, right? I think it was like 41 or 42 million. Yeah. Something like that, um, which is still is like, yo, 12 years of my life. You know, my, he going 17, you come out when you're, you're close to 30. Mm-hmm. Um, you missed a lot in that time period. Uh, but they all, you know, I like to see them, they're all doing great things. Um, and, and what's his name? Um, with 10, like 10 kids or something like that. <laughs> I, I don't know which one. Um, uh, you know, uh, Youssef. I mean, Youssef. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. Married with ten. I like, jeez, man, 10 kids. Okay. But a lot of them living in Georgia, too. I think everybody, most of them except um, Corey, Corey yeah. still up in the city. All of them moved down south. I did notice that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Corey Georgia. Does, uh, he has like an innocence project with um, a university. He has this like own wing of like a innocence project. Yeah, yeah, he does. He is that started helping people get out and stuff. Because um, if you think about, it, they didn't get that money until just recently, within yeah. the last few years. Although that was like vacated years ago, so it's like they still had to like get their, you know, spend a lot of time getting their own lives together. Yeah, and shout out to the 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 actor that played Corey. Um, he was he was a beast, man. Yeah, he did such a good job. I mean, all of them were great, but. He, to me, was like the standout, the standout uh, for sure. Um, but yeah, when you see, if when they see us, you know, check it out. Uh, you know, it's 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 a must watch on Netflix. Ava DuVernay continuously putting out superb work, extraordinary work. Can't say enough about what she's doing and the story she's telling. Because mm-hmm. um, it's, it's um, she and I like her because she doesn't care. <laughs> you know, what I mean, like if it upsets people, she wants to get 
the truth out and people's stories out in a way that, you know, most people haven't seen before or get forget about. And she's not letting us forget these kind of stories. So I, I'm, I'm really appreciative of the work she's doing. Yeah. Um, for sure. Uh, definitely. Uh, yeah. Agree. And I mean, and, and just a side note before we head out, you know, I find it ironic that Felicity Huffman was playing. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> a scammer. <laughs> and so just so as a reminder, Felicity Huffman, y'all, is the one that was involved in the college scandal, uh, you know, mm-hmm. paying for the kids to go to school and all that stuff. And and so, you know, playing a, a, a corrupt investigator and doing corruption in her real life, it was just <laughs> a funny iron. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, uh, uh, what do you call that remorseful probably more remorseful that she got caught but at least she played guilty and was like I'm gonna yeah. take my little punishment yeah you gotta take it for sure um, so so that's all that's all that was all interesting but check it out y'all um, it's definitely a must watch like I said um, and yeah follow up on the stories check out the documentary too just call Central Park 5 if you can uh, because it definitely uh, provides more of the the legal context as far as how they got away with it from the inside and the police and their motivations and stuff a little bit more uh, detailed than in the film. Um, so check it out for sure. Uh, anything else, Dav, on the, on the docket? Um, no, I, I think this was, you know, pretty decent episode. I'm pretty sure, you know, Netflix, all summer TV about to be on fire. So I have a yeah. feeling that a lot of our episodes this summer are going to end with us talking about... Um, some type of sure yeah yeah yep yep all right well if you haven't yet make sure you follow us on social media at bhd podcast and that's on twitter twitter facebook and instagram you can visit our website www.blackandhighlydangerous.com to keep all our latest content um review and rate us on itunes if you haven't yet that really helps us out and then other than that you can um email us at bhcpodcast at gmail.com if you have any ideas topic ideas guest ideas interviews if you want to be a guest on on the podcast let us know um and we'll we'll get you on um and other than that be sure to share us uh, with your friends share us with your family share us with your enemies and as always continue to be the oppressor's worst fear If you're interested in continuing this and other conversations, visit our website, blackandhollydangerous.com to subscribe to our email list, suggest topics, and participate in our discussion forums. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at BHD Podcast. And please don't forget to subscribe and rate our podcast on your favorite platform. And as always, continue to be the oppressor's worst fear.